Okay, so you might wonder where we are in terms of the description of these ten stages of samatha. And um, basically what we've been talking about this morning and what I tried to guide you in that earlier meditation is the uh, experience that corresponds to uh, both the third and the fourth stages. The difference between the third and fourth stage is that the continuity of your attention is still interrupted from time to time. There are still gaps, and when you recognize those gaps, then you, you know, you, you come back to the meditation object. But you do have uh, relatively long periods of time where you can stay with the meditation object. And then in the fourth stage, the gaps disappear and there is continuity. But the other uh, characteristics of the third and fourth stage are very similar to each other. And one is that you can't uh, always or uh, quite often you're not able to hold the meditation object as, as the primary focus of your attention, that even though you are aware of it, that it is uh, that there is a lot of competition for your attention by other thoughts and sensations. And this is true both of those uh, longer periods in the third stage and of the un uninterrupted uh, continuity of attention in the fourth stage is that you, ha you have a lot of things going on in your mind and there is this competition for what is going to be the primary focus. A helpful language to discuss that is to cause is to call all of those other thoughts and feelings and sensations other than the ones that constitute the meditation object distractions. So you have your meditation object and you have distractions. And when the meditation object is the primary focus of your attention then all of those distractions are, are subtle. They're subtle distractions. That's the label that we'll give to them. When one of those distractions displaces the meditation object so that it kind of slips into the background or the periphery, then we will say that that subtle distraction has become a gross distraction. Right? And of course, particularly in the third stage, the gross distraction, uh, you are at risk of having the gross distraction cause you to completely forget the meditation object. The difference is that in the fourth stage, you become more quickly aware when a subtle distraction has become a gross distraction, and you make the appropriate cor correction, which is simply to redirect your attention back to the meditation object and to focus in more strongly. Would you say that the second, third, and fourth stage techniques you're doing are the same, but those are measures of the success of those techniques? The measures of the which? The success of those techniques as you go second, to third, and fourth, you just... Yes, I, I, yes. I, I, I think that that's a, that, that would be a good way to describe it. Uh, the second, third, and fourth are all 
the, the focus is entirely on continuity because you're not concerning yourself with single-pointedness or anything else. It, it is just about continuity. And they are three, three different degrees of success in, in maintaining continuity. And they are likewise a reflection of three different levels of success of becoming aware of distraction and then making the correction. You know, so uh, that that's that's the way to look at those three. One of the things that uh, I'll point out to you as a result of that is that. Uh, very often, uh, in, in the typical development of a person's meditation practice, the uh, progression uh, through the second and third to the fourth stages is uh, what we might call uh, one of the biggest hurdles that they have to overcome in the entire ten stages. But the more time that it takes you in, uh, to get through the second and third stages, since basically the training you're doing is the same, then probably the shorter the period of time that you will be in the fourth stage before you're moving on to the fifth and sixth stage. So there is kind of a payoff there. That, you know, and, and the principle is that it's time in doing the training is what's directly related to progress. Not which stage you happen to be at when you're putting the time in doing the training. You follow what I'm saying? So if you find that you spend a, you, that for a long time you're at that third stage where you're interrupted continuity of attention, although the interruptions are brief, and by a long time, I hope we're talking about a few weeks here at most. But, uh, but if, you, if you find you're spending a lot of time there, the payoff is that when you get to uninterrupted continuity of attention, because you've been doing the same kind of practice all along, your ability to, to detect and correct for those circumstances where a subtle distraction becomes a gross distraction, that you'll overcome that much more quickly. And in terms of distraction, that's really all that the fourth stage is about, is how quickly you recognize when a subtle distraction has become a gross distraction and then you refocus your attention and uh, and, and then how quickly becomes how quickly you notice that it's starting to happen so that you correct for it before it actually does happen and when you become pretty good at doing that when most of the time you sit down to meditate and any time a subtle distraction starts to become a gross distraction, you quickly become aware of it. This is introspective awareness, right? You quickly become aware of it, and you make the correction before the transition actually happens. Then you can say that you have mastered the, the fourth stage. Or at least, you know, you're cycling, you've gone from cycling through say, stages... Uh, Three, four, and five. Now you'll be cycling through stages four, five, and six, back and forth. You, you, you've moved ahead. You've made you've made progress overall. There is the other side to uh, the third and fourth stages, which is the dullness, and we talked about that some yesterday. And 
if a person is, for one reason or another, stuck in the second stage for a long time, they may start to experience dullness in the second stage. But a person whose progress uh, is, uh, is not delayed, it's usually the third stage where the person starts to experience the dullness, the sleepiness. And then this carries over into the fourth stage. And in both the third stage and the fourth stage, as the mind becomes calm and less distracted, there is this decrease in the energy level of the mind and the tendency of the mind to slip into dullness. And Usually for the meditator in the third and fourth stage, they don't really become aware of the dullness until it's become fairly well established, until it's already manifesting as sleepiness by the time they become aware of it. So when I talked about the the antidotes yesterday, uh, you notice I I started out, I described to you the, the, the... medium strength antidotes to start with. And and the reason I did that is because in the third and fourth stages, you're probably only going to become aware of the dullness when it's already established so strongly that you need those medium strength antidotes. That's typically what the situation is. And also what you're likely to experience is that Correspondingly, as your ability to sustain the attention and calm the mind improves, the frequency with which you have to deal with dullness increases. So don't be discouraged by this. This can be a discouraging experience because here, now that you're finally having some success with dealing with distractions, you, you find yourself more and more often struggling with sleepiness and with drowsiness. And don't be discouraged by that. Take it as a positive sign, which it is. You know, in terms of the, the actual development that's taking place, it is a problem, yes, but it's a problem that's a reflection of progress. <laughs> it's, it's a problem that you have earned the right to deal with through your success, you know, and approach it that way. And it is something that you're going to need to deal with. So we can likewise speak of uh, this dullness. You know, we, we talk about subtle and gross distractions, and a subtle distraction is one that's in the background of awareness, and a gross distraction is one that has succeeded in displacing the meditation object. We can talk about dullness in similar terms. We can talk about subtle dullness and strong dullness. And uh, it's really the strong dullness that you're going to be primarily dealing with at first, but your success in dealing with it is going to become directly, is going to be directly related to to your ability to recognize it earlier and earlier. So that ultimately it's going to be your ability to recognize subtle dullness that keeps it from developing into strong dullness and ultimately to falling asleep. Which comes back once again to 
introspective awareness. It means that you know when dullness is present. So in terms of dealing with distraction and dullness both, there is a lot of similarity in the method. You have to cultivate that awareness of what's going on in your mind and the the key signal that you're going to come to recognize that will indicate that either uh, distraction or dullness are intervening is going to be the loss of clarity and vividness of your perception of the meditation object. Because both of them cause that to disappear. So, just to illustrate this, you know, in a particular, you're meditating. You're, you're you know, I'm going to let my fingertips represent the sensations of the breath and my eyes, your, my, my attention. So, I'm meditating and I'm very well focused on the sensations of the breath, the rising, uh, passing away of this whole series of in-breath sensations and the pause and then the out-breath sensations and the pause, and and it's very clear. And, and what's going to happen is some of the many thoughts that are kind of arising and passing away in the background of my awareness, one of them starts to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's recognizing that, uh, well, first of all, what's going to happen is you're going to lose it and you say, oh, I'm paying attention, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about such and such and then you bring your attention back. But as you progress in that, there's going to be the recognition that, oh, I'm losing clarity. Oh, it's because I'm sharing my attention between the meditation and object and this other thought. And then you refocus. You see? So, uh, th- this is where the, the where you start to become really successful is you know right away when you're starting to lose that vividness and clarity of perception. And so you immediately know there's a problem and you identify the problem and you correct for it by refocusing in on the meditation object. It's exactly the same with uh, dullness when you recognize it in the earliest stages with subtle dullness. You're focused on this and it loses its clarity and you recognize that it's dullness, it's not another thought, and you correct for it in exactly the same way. You focus in more sharply and clearly on the meditation object. And so this this is where you're trying to get to, is where your introspective awareness, and and, uh, uh, a point that was brought up, it seems like all the best questions happen during the break. And so. <laughs> what was brought up by one person uh, came and talked to me in the break is realizing that introspective awareness isn't just knowing when you are uh, losing your focus. It also includes knowing when you've still got your focus. It's knowing when, when you're still with the meditation object. And that's, uh, and that's a really important thing to understand because that's where you want it to develop. So in the fourth stage, you're trying to, the place that you're trying to get to, where you want to be, 
is where your introspective awareness is saying, aha, yes, this is really sharp and clear. Yeah, it's still sharp and clear. Okay, it's still, oh, I'm starting to, I'm starting to lose it. What's the problem? And then you correct for it. And when that's the way your meditation goes, when you, as soon as a thought starts to come in, you recognize something's happening and you make the correction. Or as soon as it starts to fade into dullness, you recognize that and you refocus. Okay. Then, then you've mastered the fourth state. You, 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 no longer do you have the problem of subtle distractions becoming gross distractions because that introspective awareness alerts you and you correct. And no longer do you have the problem of sinking into strong dullness because you're catching it very quickly and you're correcting for it. And if, as, as, the, as the focus begins to lose its clarity, if sharpening up doesn't keep it, if, it, if you keep losing it. Um, and another way that it'll manifest too is you're, you're focused on the breath, you know, it's the sensations of the in-breath and the pause and the sensations of the out-breath and the pause, the sensations of the in And it becomes something else. It becomes a wave rising and a wave passing away and, or something else like that. You say, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> this is sensations. This isn't some imaginary wave. You know that dullness is intervening. Uh, that's actually called, there's a name for that, it's called hypnagogic imagery. And the term hypnagogic uh, technically refers to those kind of dreamlike images that we all experience just as we're falling asleep. And hypnagogic imagery will begin to intervene in your perception of the sensations of the breath when dullness starts to develop. So that's one of the other signs when, you know, uh, and, and let's distinguish this from, you know, we were talking about as it's a tremendous aid to develop this mental image, you know, perhaps of uh, a sine wave or a rectangular or a circle or any other sort of mental image that helps you to stay with the breath. That's one thing. That's not hypnagogic imagery. But when the clarity of your perception, and usually... Uh, you're dealing with dullness after you no longer have so much need for this kind of imagery to help you anyway. And what you're dealing with really at the time that you're uh, uh, working to overcome dullness, you've probably already discarded most of, most of that sort of helpful imagery. And you're really dealing with an awareness of the sensations of the breath without these sort of aids and crutches. So when you are used to observing clearly the sensations as they unfold, and they begin to take on these other uh, uh, hypnagogic forms, then that immediately alerts you to the presence of dullness, and you make your correction. So, and, and the correction you make, you know, it's the medicine you use that's a good way to think of it. The medicine you use has to be gauged to the, uh, the, the strength of the dullness that you're experiencing. So the very mildest dullness where it loses its distinctness 
can be compensated for by simply the intentional act of refocusing in, sometimes with the aid of saying, okay, uh, let me discern clearly, is the, are, are the uh, I- sensations of the in-breath longer or shorter than the duration of the sensations of the out-breath? Or is this in-breath longer or shorter than the last in-breath? You know, you find something like this to help you focus in, engage, and that will that will dispel the subtle dullness when it first develops. But what you go by in terms of how strong a medicine you need is, does it come back again right away? If it comes back again right away, you need a stronger you need a stronger medicine. If that's sufficient to eliminate it for a reasonable period of time, then next time it comes up, you use the same dose of medicine. Okay, but if it's if it comes back really quickly, you need a stronger medicine. You need to move on to taking a moment or even a couple of minutes to expand your awareness just beyond the sensations of the breath to your whole body, to your auditory field, to an awareness, to re-stimulate your mind and, and, and then go back to the breath. And if that's enough, then that's, that's the dose of the medicine that you use. You may have to use it again a bit later on. But if the dullness reasserts itself or if it starts coming on stronger, this this is where you keep increasing the the strength of the antidote, dependent upon the strength of the dullness that you're dealing with. And this is a really good meditation. A meditation spent practicing overcoming dullness is not a bad meditation. Don't ever use that level of label. Don't ever think to yourself, "Had a terrible sit today. I was just you know dullness all the time." No, 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 no. This is, you had a really good meditation. Yes? Um, I'm, I'm experiencing the, the opposite. Every time I go into meditation, my body is very happy. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it wants to go there. And yesterday I couldn't meditate then because I was so cold. But when I went home, I couldn't wait to just be alone and meditate. And once I got to my house and I sat there, I felt like a little kid, like almost like I, 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 uh, I, like I had discovered something very yeah. happy. You said your your body feels very happy, so yes. I thought a little. It actually feels more energy than when right. than when I quit meditating. Okay, so uh, and and is your concentration on the breath really stable? You're not just yeah. yeah okay. Another thought. All right. Getting, uh, this this isn't a problem. This is a sign of success. But you're a little bit ahead of you're a little bit further ahead in the story. Oh. Okay. I'm just telling you what experience. Yeah. Oh, no, that no, that's that's fine. That's fine. What your what your experience is is really good, and it's good to tell me about that. But I'm just, you know, if you look at these ten stages, what you're experiencing is something that someone experiences when they're no longer having a problem with dullness or distraction, either one. And it's not a bad thing; it's a good thing. So, but we'll talk about that. We'll get to that. Okay. All right. Right now, I'm talking about you know, uh, particularly a person in the third or fourth stage who's dealing with dullness in any of its intensities. What, when it manifests, however it manifests that day, your response is, oh good, this is an opportunity to practice working with dullness. It may be an opportunity to practice working with 
subtle dullness or maybe an opportunity to practice with working with strong dullness. It doesn't matter. What you do is you practice and you use the antidotes according to the level of dullness that you're experiencing. And as it increases or decreases, you adjust. What you're looking for and what will happen won't necessarily happen every time you're having a sit that involves dullness. But what's going to happen a lot of the times is you keep working with dullness, you use a stronger and stronger antidote, whatever necessary, till uh, then all of a sudden it's like your mind will just wake up and become alert and brilliant, and you're not going to have a problem with dullness for the rest of the sit. It might not happen every time. Sometimes the bell will ring, and you'll say enough's enough before you get to that point. But that is the end point of being persistent in any given sit, of being persistent in matching the antidote to the dullness, is you're going to come to a point where all of a sudden the dullness totally dissipates and you're able to focus very well. How many of you have already experienced that at some time or another? You, you have? Yeah. I know some of you have. You've just been shy. Thanks. So. Yeah. experience a decreased distinctness of uh, of your awareness of the breath? Or you're it, just... It's sort of like the, the analogy you used earlier where it's sort of, you know, something else comes in, but it's it's sort of more like, you know, there's all of these other things and it's still here, but it's just sort of broadened. So that it's sort of... Uh, hard to say whether that, that uh, power or the depth of the awareness is still as sharp, I, I suppose. Maybe that's why I suspect that it is subtle dullness because, uh, because I'm not sure if it's quite as sharp anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that may be a little bit of a subtle dullness. Yeah. Well, it, it, may be, it, it may very well be a little bit of subtle dullness. Um, and I want to put this... Uh, in a context, and I, uh, and I, I, I have to try to be as clear as possible because for some of you, I'm still talking about things that you uh, have experienced or are experiencing or are likely to experience soon. But for others of you, I may be getting way ahead of the story of what, in terms of what your own experience is. So I need to be very, very clear. In the fourth stage, you, in terms of dullness, your 
objective is to overcome dullness in its strong forms. You don't worry about overcoming subtle dullness until the fifth stage. The fourth stage, it's the dullness that proceeds into sleepiness and drowsiness that you want to overcome. And you, which means, and, and, and also in the fourth stage, you're also at the same time still developing your skills in not allowing subtle distractions to become gross distractions. Now, when this is happening, the more agitated and energetic your mind is, the more rapid the flow of thoughts and the more quickly your mind is likely to jump to any sound or sensation or other kind of distraction. Okay? So we're talking about energy level of the mind here in terms of below this is dullness and above this is, is agitation. And above this level, the more above this level you come, the harder it is to keep subtle distractions from becoming gross distractions because the more distractions there are, the more energetic the mind is, the more the quicker it is to jump to something else. Okay? And below this level is dullness. So you're looking for a balance. Sometimes that means tolerating a certain degree of subtle dullness just to help you degree, help you to cope with the uh, tendency of the mind to go to distractions. Okay? So this is an important point to keep in mind. Because we're not going to try to completely overcome subtle dullness until the fifth stage, we're willing to tolerate it and use it in the fourth stage. You know, if we if we need, if we find that the only way we can really calm down the mind enough to stay stable is to let go of just a little bit of the intensity and vividness with which we're following the breath. It's sort of like stepping back a little bit, you know, taking a little more relaxed perspective rather than this intent thing like that. So if you find that you're really intense like this, but but your mind is just so restless and agitated, then you might find it very helpful and very useful to just step back and observe the breath, observe the sensations of the breath from a little more relaxed and, 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 and not so intensive perspective and lose a little bit of clarity. It's all right. Of course, if you go too far, you'll find yourself seeking into dullness. But that's then you bring yourself back again. It is very much, uh, it's looking for a balance point. And if you read some of the classic meditation texts, there is a metaphor that's used, it was originally used actually by the Buddha himself in one of the sutras, of the tightness with which you tune the strings of a lute or a stringed instrument. And of course when they're too tight, uh, it doesn't work, and when they're too loose, it doesn't work. So you're finding that right point. And really that metaphor, people like to use it all over the place, but I think really what it, where it's meant to be applied is to this situation that you have in the fourth stage of the practice where you're, you're trying to find that balance where the mind is not so agitated that uh, you, you just go crazy trying to stay focused on your meditation object, and the strings are not so loose, the mind is not so de-energized that you're just sinking into drowsiness. You're 
finding that balance point. And not always, but sometimes finding that balance point. Some days, some set, some sits, means that you relinquish some of the vividness and clarity that you have enjoyed before. Because that's the only way to calm the activity of the mind enough. And, and that's where your balance point is. So on any given day, any given sit, you, you find the balance point as it is. You, know, you look for it, and it's not always going to be in the same place. Over time, uh, and especially when you start practicing at the fifth level, the, the point at which it's easy to maintain the meditation object as your primary focus corresponds to a higher and higher level of alertness, the uh, higher energy level of the mind. And, uh, and that is the progress of development. You see the advantage of that. Because where you're going, in the end of the process, in samatha, you are totally present, 100% alert. You know, everything is very vivid. But there is no agitation. The mind is also just so compliant that no matter what you direct your attention to, it rests there. And no matter how quickly you might choose to move the mind from one thing to another to another, it goes. It, it's, it just it moves. It moves as you wish it to, and without spinning out into distraction. So that's where 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 you're going. So so as you go along, you're going to have this experience of the balance point between agitation and dullness is going to steadily move in a level of being able to have more and more brilliance without experience experiencing agitation and restlessness and distraction. But especially when you're at the fourth stage, you have to keep in mind where I'm at. What is my primary problem? My primary problem is falling either into strong dullness or having a gross distraction intervene. That's my problem. And so that's all I'm going to concern myself with. And I'm going to do whatever I need to do to deal with the problem as it exists. So we will, we will entertain a degree of subtle dullness if that's what it takes to keep from being overtaken by distraction. And when we don't need that, we will correct for it because we know that the longer we stay in a state of subtle dullness, the more we're inviting that strong dullness to develop. Okay? So that's what it's about. When you get really skilled at finding that balance point, then you're ready to practice at the, the fifth stage. And the fifth stage is where we overcome persistent subtle dullness. And it's very, very important. It's also a stage that it is possible to disregard and turn yourself into a blind alley which will lead your meditation to a dead end. The reason for that is that you can learn to sustain a state of subtle dullness. And subtle dullness is free from distraction. I mean, we just talked about how you can use subtle dullness deliberately to to help you deal with distraction. 
So sustained subtle dullness is a way of creating an illusion of very strong stability of attention. The other thing about subtle dullness, uh, about dullness in general, is it's pleasant. Actually, I'm going to interrupt the flow of what I'm saying right now and I digress into the pleasantness of dullness for a moment because it's relevant to what we've already talked about and it's relevant to where we're going. Dullness is pleasant. It's a fact. I think that is directly related to the reasons that uh, a lot of people in our society like to go and do things that make that create states of mental dullness. <laughs> but dullness is pleasant. And you find that not only is dullness pleasant, but extracting yourself from dullness is unpleasant. When you are in the third and fourth stage, dealing with strong dullness, you're going to discover this. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you, maybe most of you already have, and you know this, that when you that sinking into subtle dullness is like sinking into this delicious, comfortable, warm, fuzzy place. And the temptation is there to just let go into it. When you pull yourself out of it, it's it, it almost hurts, right? It's like, oh. you know. And this is part of what you have to deal with. The, the, the seductive temptation to just, you know, ah, that's okay, I think I'll just <laughs> have a nap. Oh, it'd be so nice, yes. Uh, and the natural resistance that comes... Uh, you know, and, and this this is this is the danger of negativity and meditating on dullness. This is what makes it so tempting to say, "Oh, I had a terrible meditation. I was working with dullness every time." Every time you succeeded in pulling yourself out of dullness, you experience that discomfort that comes from coming out of dullness. Okay, so dullness is pleasant, so you have to accept that. Subtle dullness is also pleasant. If your mind becomes conditioned. You sit down to meditate, you focus on the sensations of the breath, and you enter into this place of stable, subtle dullness. Really not very clear perception of the breath, but you believe it's a really good meditation because, hey, I'm not having a lot of distraction. I'm, I'm not aware of anything else at all. I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting here in this mellow, focused state, yeah, there's that breath thing happening, and it feels so good. And it does. And you can sit there for an hour with this lovely, beautiful breath thing happening and feeling the pleasure of it, and get up and say, oh, that sure is a nice meditation. I don't know where I went, but it was wonderful. <laughs> I was just gone. I feel so good now. The only problem is you won't ever get anywhere else. Every time you sit down and meditate, you'll repeat that same experience. And at some point, you'll start to get tired of it. You know, Because, hey, a couple of glasses of wine you know, does almost the same thing. Especially if you put some <laughs> nice music on. <laughs> All right? Yeah. So, so, it's very important in the training and meditation you don't allow yourself to get sidetracked by subtle dullness. Uh, 
And that's what makes the fifth stage very, very important, is that, and, and it's, not, it's not that difficult. It's not like it takes a lot of time. It's not like it's a huge problem. But it is absolutely essential that you address it, that you recognize that, yes, every time I sit down and my focus becomes very strong and very stable, there is this tendency for the subtle dullness to develop. And you just become aware of it. And this is really what the whole fifth stage is about, is becoming aware of it, learning to recognize it, learning to recognize subtle dullness. And how do you recognize it? Well, of course, the key is introspective awareness. But what is your uh, what is your, uh, what exactly is your introspective awareness looking at and examining? It, it's looking at the vividness and clarity of your perception of the sensations of the breath. And how is it de determining whether dullness is present or not? It has to be by reference to the previous clarity and vividness that you have experienced. And that is that that is the key. The kind of question that you hold in your mind is, do I have the same vividness that I've experienced in the past when I know that I've had a good meditation? And if not, that's what that's what you want to try to that's the level of uh, vividness and clarity that you want to bring yourself towards. And sometimes you will without slipping into that struggle with distraction, experience an even more brilliant and clear uh, intensity of perception. And when that happens, that gives you a new standard that you can also work towards. But after a little while, you'll become very skilled at recognizing the earliest signs of subtle dullness setting in. And you'll just be able to brighten your awareness and it's no problem after that. And then it just happens less and less often. And then you work through that stage of the practice. Which brings us to the sixth stage, which is characterized by very little problem with dullness at all. Other than that, of course, if you if you relax your vigilance and if you allow dullness to set in, it will come up again. And you can find yourself not just back in the fifth stage again, but maybe even back in the fourth stage again in terms of dullness, strong dullness developing. So you do have to remain vigilant, but it's no longer a problem. It's just... It's just a question of uh, maintaining enough ongoing vigilance to forestall dullness whenever it tends to develop. You no longer, of course, have a problem with all of these subtle distractions that are still present, intervening and displacing your meditation on an object and becoming gross distractions. But you do still have all of this other stuff going on in your mind. 
So in the sixth stage, what you take as your objective is you say, let me see if I can just I'll cause a lot of that stuff to disappear. Let's see if I can quiet my mind down. Let's see if I can become more totally focused on the sensations of the breath rather than this subtle dispersion of my attention to all these other little things that are going on at the same time. Now, because of the, the shortness of the amount of time we have to work together, I'm going to abbreviate somewhat my description of this stage and the ones that, that follow, just so that I can sort of guide you through the whole process. Okay? But the key thing that happens in the sixth stage is that, first of all, you refine your ability to stay closely focused on the meditation object. <coughs> your introspective awareness <coughs> allows you to realize that while that even while you've stayed focused on the meditation object, the sort of the scope of your awareness has been fluctuating and sometimes it expands and there's a lot of other stuff going on here where uh, sometimes you're able to focus in more tightly and a lot of that stuff kind of disappears into it, it's it's in the background and now it disappears into the background you're not really aware of it at all so you realize that even though I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the fingers and the eye even though you're like this the scope of your awareness is expanding and contracting Sometimes it's including a lot of other stuff. And the other thing that you're aware of that's happening, that's feeding these distractions in just the same way, is that even though you're pretty steadily focused on that, there are all these little subtle glances away at these different, you know, a thought comes up, or a feeling comes up, or a strong uh, sensation comes up. And so that there actually still is some movement. There is not complete stability of your focus. So in the sixth stage, you, your introspection allows you to start becoming aware that there's these two different ways that you're still scattering your focus through, through these subtle expansions of the scope of your awareness, so it includes more, and through these little flickering, darting, movements of your attention to these other things. And the important thing, once you realize that, is to know that what keeps all that stuff happening, it's being fed, it's being nourished by that attention that it's getting in both of these forms. Every time the scope of your awareness expands enough to include these other things, it nourishes them and it feeds those mental processes that are creating these distractions. And every time your mind briefly darts to one of these things or another, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's feeding the mental process that is producing that kind of distraction. So your task is, is a fairly simple one. It's to do anything that you can to keep to keep your attention from continuing to nourish these processes. 
And to the degree that you succeed in doing that, they begin to fade. You can't make them go away. The little chattering that's going on in the background, the, the narrative of this and that, and the little images that pop up, and the, the little brief memories of this and that, the stuff that's going on in the background, you know, don't waste your time trying to quash it or to drive it away or to block it out. It won't work. It'll never happen. You'll just become more and more frustrated with yourself if you try to. But it will go away by yourself by itself if you can succeed in ignoring it. And the way you'll experience this is that the more successful you are at simply ignoring those thoughts, then the less frequent they become. Now they won't necessarily disappear entirely. You will come to a place where there's long periods of time between when any particular thought or mental image arises, but uh, they'll still come from time to time. But the thing is that when they do, they won't really have any power to draw your attention away towards them. And that's, that's what you're after. The same thing with, uh, there are always, well, I, I suppose you could find a place to meditate where there are no sounds at all, but normally there are always ambient noises that serve as distractions. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's not a bad thing, it's especially in terms of refining your skill. It's not at all bad to meditate at a place where there's a bit of traffic noise and maybe every now and then the dog's the neighbor's dog barks and somebody in the house slams a door or something. That's not a bad thing at all. But no matter where you are, you're in a situation there's going to be some sound. And what you want, you want to do is, yeah, they're there, but you ignore them. You're really ignoring them. And after a while, you find that the number of those sounds that actually succeed in achieving a level of conscious awareness becomes fewer and fewer. It's only the loudest, it's only the most unusual that really emerge into that mental space where you actually become consciously aware that they are there. Same thing with bodily sensations. And uh, in the sixth stage you may start to uh, have some interesting experiences to do with your bodily sensations. Sometimes there's a lot of uh, energy that arises. Sometimes you'll experience some spontaneous movement, things like that. But the other thing that you will experience is that a lot of the ordinary bodily sensations, you know, that the, the pressure on the parts of your body that are in contact with the floor or the cushion, the sensations that are produced by your clothes touching your skin, or uh, if you have a fan or air conditioning which causes a movement of air across your face, so those awarenesses, you just simply cease to become aware of them. You're aware of your body. But most of these ordinary sensations are just, they don't intrude very much. You know, a fly lands on your forehead, yeah, you're definitely gonna be aware of that, you know. Uh, an, an itch develops on your ankle, you're going to be aware of that. Or you start to have a little bit of an ache in your knee, you'll be aware of it. But all of those many sensations that were sort of fleetingly always present to some degree become much less 
evident. You know? and, and this is what you're after. So in the sixth stage, you're achieving a kind of exclusive focus. And just it, 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 we, didn't, we won't go into details now, but its process is very simple. However you manage to achieve it, the more through ignoring you can starve these thoughts and these sensations of attention, then the parts of your mind that keep trying to thrust them into your awareness give up. They're like all the little kids, you, you know, they get tired, they can't get your attention, well I'm going to go outside and play instead. And they do. You keep on thinking, but it's at a subconscious level, you know. <laughs> Uh, there's still an awareness uh, of some part of your mind that you're not conscious of, of bodily sensations and sounds, but they're not uh, intruding so much. And then, and then you are at the seventh stage of the practice. And then you can say you are a truly skilled meditator. You can sit down. You can have, and I have not only continuous focus, but a single-pointed focus, and you can sustain it. The only thing is, at this stage, you do have to stay vigilant. And you do have to take action. And what you'll find is that here, here I am, seventh state meditator, really nice, stable meditation. And uh, at first, yeah, my vigilance is really, is really good, but then I've been sitting here 10, 15 minutes, you know, and it's a little bit tiresome. And what you'll find is if you relax that vigilance and if you don't correct for any dullness or distraction that starts to develop, you'll find yourself back at the sixth stage or the fifth stage or the fourth stage, you know, uh, at least when I say back at that stage, you'll be experiencing, you'll have an increase in subtle distractions and you'll start to slip into dullness and things like that. So the, the task of the seventh stage meditator then is, is, well, here I've done all this work, I've mastered, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm, I'm an accomplished meditator, I'm a skilled meditator, but, you know, I still got to exercise all this constant vigilance, and where's all this bliss and happiness that's supposed to happen? Well, sometimes it comes right away. For some people, for some people when they reach that stage of unification of mind, all kinds of amazing stuff happens and they don't have a problem at all. Well, they do have a problem. Uh, they have the problem of not getting attached to and distracted by this, you know. Oh, I'm sitting here, this beautiful light, I'm just filled with this beautiful light. It feels like it radiates out. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure people outside the window can see this light coming from or this, this sound, wow, the sound of silence, listen to it, it's magnificent. Or bodily sensations, oh, this tingling sensation all through my body, I feel energy currents running through my body. All kinds of distractions, and you have to learn to deal with them and not get attached to them and not let them, they'll destroy your concentration really quickly if you let them. But the other kind of problem the seventh stage meditator has is you don't have all these marvelous, unusual things happen. Then you have this tedious thing of, here I am, by gosh, I can be really single-pointed. And I'm constantly having to exert this effort to sustain it, and nothing's happening. You know, so 
That's the problem of the seventh stage of meditator. Not going to go into the details of how you deal with those two kinds of situations right now, but that's basically you'll have to deal with one or the other, some combination of these, sometimes one, sometimes the other. Where you want to get to is a point of effortlessness. And when you get to the point of effortlessness, what was a stillness of the body, an absence of all the normal distracting sensations, becomes a just, your body is saturated with this absolutely delightful pleasantness. It's not really a physical sensation. It's, it's, an, it's an inner thing. Your body may seem to be, you know, just this hollow shell defined by this, uh, this subtly vibrating sensation of, of pleasure, for example. This is a very common kind of experience. Or strong sense of energy currents moving. Uh, joy and happiness arise. The joy can sometimes be so intense, it's like, oh, wow, oh, this is wonderful. Uh, I gotta go and tell somebody about this. <laughs> <laughs> or thoughts like, wow, this must be it. I'm enlightened now for sure. This is it. Wow, I've never been so happy. <laughs> in the in the eight, this is called uh, in, in uh, Pali. It's called Piti Sukha. Uh, Meditative joy and happiness. Uh, it has a lot of other physical concomitants that go along with it, but that's what really defines it, is this joyful, happy state. And it's very energetic and energizing, and it's very disturbing and agitating. And so uh, it, it comes and bursts and it disappears, and, and you find yourself longing for it and seeking for it. And the only way you can make it happen is to get into that single-pointed state and get into that effortlessness, and then it, then it comes. And, uh, and so the more you crave it and the more you try to make it happen, the less likely it is to happen in any given sit. But after a while, you get really good. And every time you sit down, you know, you're able to experience the arising of Pitisukha. And that's wonderful. Then you've mastered the eighth stage. But it's still very energizing and energetic and distracting. The ninth stage, you have to get used to this. You have to, just through experiencing it over and over again, you get used to it. It becomes less of a distraction, less of an attachment. And you're more willing to just relax and be with, uh, to, to be with it not grasp onto it, not be excited. You begin to experience equanimity towards it, like, oh yes, here it is, yes, and this is all quite wonderful. So, But no grasping after it. And tranquility. Uh, the excitedness of the joy disappears, and the energeticness of it, and it's replaced with a strong peacefulness and tranquility. And this is where you're entering into the tenth stage, a fully developed samatha where there is still the joy, but it is just the background state of mind. And there is still the happiness, but uh, it, it, it's not something that you're clinging to and grasping onto. 
what is really predominant is the tranquility, the peace, the tranquility, the uh, uh, the clarity of mind, and the uh, ease and facility with which you can use your mind for anything you choose. That's the tenth stage. Okay. So. Thank you. I've, I've taken you through the whole process. I think it's time for us to take a break and let you stretch your legs a little bit. Uh, and then we'll come back in. And uh, I want you to talk to me about what I taught you to this point. I'm sure a lot of questions have come up, and I'm just so much looking forward to answering them.